Greetings, Earthlings. This is Rabbi Patrick <laughs> on episode 24 of the Rabbi Patrick Podcast. And I'm Dan. Obviously, we decided to play Trixies on you. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, with us, you yeah. never know. We like to keep everybody guessing, <laughs> keep it fresh, keep it entertaining. <laughs> so uh, millennial of us, very millennial of us. Uh, episode twenty four. There was actually no episode twenty two. Uh, we skipped right ahead to episode twenty three and episode twenty four. So this makes it. Technically, episode twenty-three. Well, it's like the lost. It's the lost episode. It's you know, it's out there somewhere. So we just have to go find it when we're at like episode one hundred. Mm-hmm. Play that one. Right. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, some of our um, some probably some of our biggest fans are, are probably out there on the hunt for it already. So it may it may come in around in around the eighties. Somewhere in California. Somewhere in California, maybe Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> and Although we didn't get, we don't have any Delaware. No, say. we don't. The last time I looked, still California is going strong. Yeah. Uh, Virginia is going up. Okay. And Georgia is going down, which means my mother is not listening uh, to the podcast nearly mom. as much. Messing my life up. Yeah. Messing my life up. Thanks, mom. Come on. It's like you're retired. You've got nothing better to do than to download my podcast on iTunes twenty or thirty times. Right. To make me feel good. And apparently we've got nothing better to do than to talk bad about our moms. Yeah, it's true. So <laughs> Does your mom listen to the podcast? No, she's she's not a podcast. She's not a podcast listener. Okay, well that's unfortunate. Writ large. Okay. <laughs> not, not anything against this one. It's all right. I don't listen to our podcast. Right. So, right. so <laughs> I don't blame anyone. No. Um, so, uh, this episode is on conversion to Judaism. Not that, you know, there necessarily has to be another episode on conversion to Judaism, but has I do. Has already been one? There's, there was like 20 before you showed up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> okay. listened to the ones that were most interesting to you and skipped over the 10 <laughs> that were on conversion. But no, no, no. But this is, but this is an important one. Okay. This is an important one because this is the one where, you know, we're, we really get controversial. Okay. Because I, so, so I volunteer at the JCC uh, here in beautiful Richmond, Virginia, um, to teach a class every few months or so for uh, the old folks. Mm. And it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. Um, they're tough. They tough are, crowd? They're a tough crowd. Yeah. They will let you know. Good question. They'll be like, young man, you are out of line. Mm. Yeah. They so will. It's, ju- it's not questions necessarily. It's, it's also judgments. Yes, it's mostly judgments. Opinions. Yes, yeah, mostly right. judgments. Uh, qu- questions. One of those, this is a comment more than a question. But, this is, but they don't preface it with that. <laughs> this, is a, this, is, this is a comment, and I don't care if you want, wanted a question. Right. My, my questions don't end with question marks, it turns out. <laughs> exclamation points. And then usually, I survived the war. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, I don't know. You know, it could have it been a war for Disney World tickets, like for all I know. But, 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 but they survived it. So, no, but they're great. I love them. I love the JCC. I was there today uh, pretending to work out. Oh, right. And, um, and uh, I was supposed to teach this class um, called, um, you know, Why Jews Should Embrace Proactive Conversion, or I'd had a better name than that. But it got canceled because we had lousy weather. And oh. so uh, I got a phone call at like 9 a.m. The class was supposed to be at 2, and they were like, you know, there's ice on the roads. We, we don't want people driving around, so sorry. You know, looks like we're not going to do your class, which is okay. But it was kind of a bummer because I made a PowerPoint. Oh, wow. So first time I had made a PowerPoint for uh, anything in Richmond since I've moved here. This is the first Richmond PowerPoint. You know, don't let anyone say you're not a sentimental guy. <laughs> you know, you're, you really do capture all the moments. So I, I really don't don't ever let anybody say that. I mean, you're, you're commemorating your first PowerPoint. In this is this is like uh, teenagers being like it's our one month anniversary. Right. You know, this is about the equivalent mm-hmm. of level of importance. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I made this PowerPoint, and uh, so so then the way that we do this is that. Uh, 
is that we we talk about like when we're going to get together and then I have no idea what to talk about and then and then I email you and you're like okay well this being the podcast yes yes the pronoun indefinite yeah. pronoun yeah people. yeah yeah right mm-hmm. right this is yeah the yeah podcast, right and uh and so I think I said oh well you know here was what I was supposed to do yeah yeah and you were just like yep let's do it yeah let's do it so uh so I will go on ahead and just give you the the brief points of this. Um, do you want to like just like interrupt me at certain points, or how do you want to do this? I, I can do that, or I can wait till the end and and do it as you would have done with the, with the with the old folks at JCC. Or do they interrupt in the middle as well? Well, so that was actually going to be the the preface to my speech was please don't uh, interrupt me. Yeah. Expecting, of course, much interruption because, again, survive the war. Right. I don't care about you and your little wussy PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> right. Even um, if it was your first one in Richmond. Even if so. So, no, no, no. I mean, you can feel free to just jump in. I okay. Guess. I'll, um, I'll, see, I'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll, I'll aim to wait till the end, but if something really, really hits me, I, I, I won't. If I say something really egregious. Right. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. All right, so should I should I visually describe to people what these slides? I'm very proud of these slides. Well, you know they say a picture <laughs> tells a thousand words, but if they can't even see the, you're gonna have to go at least two thousand words on each picture. That, so that's that tough. <laughs> that, that might get a little rough. Okay, well I'll just stick to the stick to the facts then. Okay, so the the presentation was actually called "Encouraging Judaism: Why American Jews Should Proactively Seek Converts." <clears throat> so uh, my whole thing is that you should always talk about your biases before you present information. So here are my biases. So number one, I'm a convert to Judaism. Pretty sure that eight years of living my Jewish life on the internet has proven that to the the throngs of people out there who've been following my young life slash career. So I converted to Judaism. Not a whole lot of Jews named Patrick, it turns out. So that's, of course, a bias. Uh, I'm not orthodox. I don't play one on TV. So that's that. Uh, I'm a rabbi, an independent rabbi. Uh, can you clarify? So the orthodox point is relevant because why? Well, I'm, it's going to become more relevant oh, later. I but wait it. Yeah, see? Okay. See? Okay. All right. If I was just like, you know, no. <laughs> Like if you were just like raising your hand, being like, "I have a thought," I would have had to shoot shoot you down from off the stage of the JCC. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, we're getting derailed. Failure, failure. So, uh, so I'm not orthodox. That'll become important later. Uh, I'm a rabbi, an independent progressive one. Um, And then the biggest bias is that I co-founded a conversion to Judaism program with Reform and Renewal rabbis, which you're more than welcome to ask me about later. It actually says that on the slide. I won't won't ask about it. (laughs) Now that I've given you permission, you're like, nope, nope, not going to happen. Oh, well. Okay, so here's my thesis statement on lined paper. Mm. It's very important that people understand exactly what I'm trying to say here. Because inevitably, this is one of those things where like, you post it on Facebook and it's like, you're wrong. Having not listened to your podcast, I can tell you how wrong you are. So here we go. American Jewish congregations and nonprofits, so synagogues, nonprofits, should proactively encourage conversion to Judaism for spiritual seekers. So you could like, it's like in like elementary school and middle school where you had to diagram out a sentence. I mean, you could diagram this out and find the like 20 different sort of, I don't know what the legal term would be, but stipulations. Yeah, or, these, are, these are carefully <laughs> chosen words. Yeah, yeah. This was yeah. not, this was not like in the last, uh, uh, episode where you like I think oh, I, I forget right. what I even said but you right. were like I want you to defend your point <laughs> right, right. and I was just like I'm a rabbi I get to do whatever I want something thug, about thug life or something something about swords and evil <laughs> Sword, and, and what, battling and what something right. I, whatever fire and chariots but uh, yeah so American Jewish congregations and nonprofits should proactively encourage conversion to Judaism for spiritual seekers why past present and future so we used to do it, but we forgot about it. Uh, now is a really good time to do it. And the third point being that it's imperative to Jewish continuity. So let's start with the past. <clears throat> remember Hanukkah? We just had Hanukkah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's a thing. It happens every year, it turns out. <laughs> so 
Prior Didn't to, Adam Sandler write a song about it once? He very much did, yeah, and he updates it every few years, exactly. which I appreciate the updates. I really do, because some of the actors and, and sports figures and all that, you got to rotate them out every once in a while. Um, so uh, in terms of what it meant to be a Jew, it was ethnic, cultural, national, until uh, about the point of the uh, Hasmoneans, the Hashmanayim, uh, however you want to say it. Um, so these are the, the Maccabees and all of that kind of stuff. And that's over 2,000 years ago. They were the ones who said you could become a Jew. So that's where you separate from a nationality and an ethnicity to something that you can become. I can move to Japan and I can eat yakisoba and I can marry a Japanese woman and I can learn Japanese and become a Japanese, uh, citizen of Japan. I can't become Japanese. I can't fundamentally, even if I became, gave up my American citizenship, I can't become Japanese in the way that I was able to become Jewish. There's, a, there's a, an identity change that's kind of different there. Okay. And so prior to these people, if you wanted to acculturate, if you wanted to become part of the Jewish people, you could marry in. But that's about it. And so these were the folks who said, no, there's a religious component to being Jewish, and so you can adopt that, and then that puts you in. Um, <clears throat> so that's an important thing to remember, that we're talking about over 2,000 years of history here. This is not... You know, this is not some very recent reform, you know, 1860s type of thing. Right. It's been going on for a while. Uh, the second is uh, there's this idea that if you approach a rabbi to convert to Judaism, you're going to be turned away three times. Uh, Sex in the City did a thing about that uh, where uh, Carrie Bradshaw is like chasing around a rabbi all around New York. That's the kind of thing that's been overly mythologized. If you go to most, and again, we're talking about America here, you go to most American synagogues, the hardest problem you're going to have is getting the rabbi on the phone. And it's not because he or she is like selectively turning you away three times. It's that being clergy is tough. You often either don't control your schedule or your schedule is very loosely defined. <clears throat> and you're having to jump around to the whims of whatever is going on in your world. You can't decide when people are going to get sick and be in the hospital or when someone's husband is going to leave them and now you have to do all these other things. So because your particular desire to convert to Judaism is not a life or death situation, you may feel that it is, but let's be honest, it's not. Not when you look at actual life or death situations. Yeah, you're going to feel like you're being turned away three times. You're not. It's just they haven't checked their email or they haven't called you back. It is what it is. Um, I talked about the reform movement earlier. So, so to clarify, that, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're saying that most rabbis would actually be encouraged if you approach, would encourage it most likely if you approach them or not? Definitely wouldn't turn you away three times. Right. So it's that whole myth that people build in their head of okay. like, they, you know what, you read something online that's, that's orthodox and you think that that's the way and the truth and the light and to borrow from a different religion right. and you, and you, you just sort of decide then that the nice like reform temple in your suburban neighborhood so certainly that's exactly the same thing they do because you wouldn't know any better mm -hmm. and no it's just they're not checking their email okay different ballgame um so then the reform movement um in the 1880s ish um the reform movement in america which was really american judaism that's what reform judaism is uh it's it's american judaism um, they basically came out with a ruling, which was the philosophy and the idea of Isaac Mayer Wise, who's one of my favorite rabbis of all time, because he started a new religion because he got punched in the face on Rosh Hashanah. Mm. Best story ever. It's one yeah. of my favorite Jewish stories. Um, he basically said, like, to become a Jew means that you should study what Judaism is and you should make a public declaration of faith in front of the congregation. So we're not talking about circumcision. We're not talking about uh, mikvah. We're not talking about anything other than you have to join the temple and you have to make a public declaration of faith. There are people who converted to Judaism in the 1880s. Uh, so the question I would ask is, who's in your family? Do you know for certain that, you know, aunt, great, 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 great Aunt Mildred was a Jew? 
23 and me might say something different. Um, there were people who converted back then when it was frankly a lot easier, um, I would argue, and where there was a certain nobility to being willing to convert, let's say, for marriage or something like that. So people who say, oh, well, that, you know, my family, we've been Jewish since Sinai. Well, yeah, but you don't know who's in your family. Um, I only think about that because I have a friend who wrote his master's uh, on conversion because he found out that he had an aunt who converted, and he never knew, right? So, And that would have been in recent history. How did he find out? Uh, she told him. Oh. Yeah, she told him. And she said she had never, how it came up, oh, I don't know exactly how it came up, but I remember him saying that what compelled him to do his master's on conversion was that she said she never truly felt like she had been 100% accepted. And so then that kind of the ball, you know, was rolling from there. <clears throat> so, okay, so... Been doing it for 2,000 years. The turned away three times thing, that's been overdone. That's a big myth. And, uh, you know, there are converts in people's families that they don't even know about. Gotta have a sip of my beverage. I am having a little uh, cocktail that I picked up when I was in Philly. Yeah, what's it called? Yeah, so uh, it's uh, the Lemonana. Okay. So you do lemonade. Yep. You do uh, a little bit of bourbon. And uh, I add a little bit of soda just to give it a little fizz. But then the key to it is you take za'atar, which is a spice oh, yeah, from yeah. Uh, the Middle East. It's kind of like oregano. Um, it's quite delicious. Yeah, it's, and you make a syrup out of it. Hmm. Yeah, so just like you steep tea, yeah. right? You steep the za'atar wow. and then make simple syrup out of it. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's a good time. There's a mason jar of za'atar syrup sitting on, uh, sitting on our bar right now. And you get these details. You get these details on this podcast. I think that's what separates us. Yeah. You know, the Zatar syrup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Lex Roface, you're, you're not... who does an amazing Jewish podcast and, you know, gets like a million more listens than we do, he's not talking about this sort of thing. No. 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 Mark Marin. Well, he might, actually. Uh, do you think he's in that, the Zatar syrup? Actually, he, he might be. Yeah, actually. He's that's not an unreasonable. food things. <laughs> he does. That's and true. He does talk about that. Okay, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm actually not a huge, well, anyways. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I can listen to Marin like once in a, once every few months. That's about if it. If he's I interviewing can. someone interesting. Yeah. Oh, the Springsteen one was good. Did you was it? No, I didn't hear that one. Yeah, yeah no, I'll listen to that one. Okay, <clears throat> so we talked about the past, but the past is the past. Let's talk about the present. So 21% of people in the United States were raised in interfaith households. I'm talking about everybody. We're not talking about Jews here. We're talking about everybody. Everybody is a lot of people. So the fact that one in five people comes from an interfaith home is fascinating. Now, interfaith can also mean sort of multi-denominations of Christian as well. But nonetheless, I mean, that's a very recent thing. Does this come from Pew? Where is it this is all from Pew. Yeah, all of these stats come from Pew. Unless otherwise noted, but yeah, they all come from Pew. I think there's like one that doesn't come from Pew, and I'll forget. But yeah, so so it's pretty incredible though, because you think about waves of immigrants that came to this country. I mean, you know, people like the Dutch and Germans who you know carried the Lutheran tradition, and you had people who felt like Lutherans needed to marry other Lutherans or Catholics need to marry other Catholics. We're not there now. You may have, you know, Christians need to marry other Christians. Even within Jews, I mean, it used to be that a conservative Jew and a Reformed Jew, a rabbi wouldn't do that because it was effectively an interfaith marriage as far as they were concerned. So the fact that one in five people now, and the trend will continue to go up as we... That's just the way this works. Um, that's fascinating to me. 25% um, of Americans will leave their childhood religion by the age of 24. I think that's a really big deal. The fact that such a huge number of people will decide that they are no longer believers in whatever they were doing, or maybe are believers now. That's another way of looking at it. By the time they're, you know, out of college, and not, not that far out of college... That's fascinating. Yeah. Greatest net growth in religion is the nuns. And we're not talking about nuns as in Catholic nuns. We're talking about nuns as in nothing. Um, and there's some, there's some reasons for that um, that I'll get to in another slide. But um, the fact that people are leaving 
whatever respective religion they belong to at 24, by 24, in this large of a number, um, and then are defaulting to nothing is fascinating. Here's the thing about the nuns, about the nothings. Nothing doesn't mean like Richard Dawkins screaming atheist. It just means you're nothing. Yeah. Nothing is a big tent. Nothing could be, I'm nothing, but, you know, I really think Jesus was a nice guy. Nothing mm -hmm. can be, I was raised Buddhist, and I meditate, but I like to get crunk on weekends. Like, none is a pretty big pretty big tent. And then you, you take the nuns, and then you put them in relationships with each other, you know, intercultural, interreligious, and then that just becomes a whole other, you know, you have a secular Jew and a secular, uh, you know, Vietnamese Buddhist marrying each other. And, like, what comes out of that is, like, a really interesting stew of little nun kids, yeah. you know? So, fascinating stuff there. Uh, only 26% of U.S. Jews think that religion is very important. Now, only about 10 to 15% of Jews are orthodox okay so that means that if you if you just assume let's just assume that if you're orthodox you think religion is very important we'll go with that i'll grant you that one 10 to 15 percent right that means you're only talking about 10 percentage points of everybody else of the 85 percent who are not orthodox only the tiniest slimmest number think that religion is very important Last thing, we spend a fortune on interfaith outreach, an absolute fortune. Now, by interfaith outreach, I mean from the Jewish perspective. This is uh, rabbis and synagogues and nonprofits trying to engage non-Jewish partners in Jewish life. It's interesting that when we think about interfaith outreach, we don't think, oh, we want to make sure that the Jewish partner is comfortable at church, right? You know, it's a, it's a very one-sided thing. Um, but uh, we spend a fortune on that, and we spend next to nothing on conversion. I don't actually know of a single nonprofit that exists, with the exception of one, that is openly advocating Judaism. And it, they're not even doing it when it comes to conversion. It's just more of a... There's two, actually, now that I think about it. There's two that could be considered part of this. But even then conversion is not the word they're using it's a big tent and it's it's other stuff like that so lots of people who grew up in mixed households most people are leaving the religion they grew up with they're becoming quote-unquote nothing but nothing still means something uh for jews religions eh, kind of not that important and we spend all this money to try to figure out how to help all these people but then the people who are buying if you will judaism we're just kind of hands-off. So that's the present. So in the past, we had a certain particular conversion perspective. There was a lot more open, dynamic. Now we're seeing the trend away from religion. We're seeing a trend towards uh, sort of spiritual uh, shopping. And yet we're kind of missing a great opportunity. Okay, now this uh, slide has a bride on it. I don't know why I felt I needed to tell you that. Seems like a, ha a happy bride. Yeah. It comes from the website Unsplash. Unsplash is a great purveyor of uh, royalty-free uh, stock photos. Ah. Love Unsplash. I use them for a lot of stuff. They did not pay me to say that. Interesting. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about the copyright issues with this with this PowerPoint. Going <laughs> <laughs> to be in the director's cut. Yeah, yeah, it will be. No, this is all legit. Okay, our future. Marriages. 50% of Jews, quote-unquote, marry out, meaning 50% of Jews and more. If you go non if you take the Orthodox out, it becomes 70% uh, marry out. Uh, one, so there's the idea of like half-Jewish, quarter-Jewish, all that. When you get to the point of someone who is, we'll use the term quarter-Jewish, meaning they, had a, they have one Jewish grandparent, the likelihood that they are going to have been given Jewish identity throughout their life is pretty slim to none. What they will have is a, a, a grandparent who has a cultural identity, and they'll connect with that. Interestingly enough, I see a lot of those people converting to Judaism. They maybe have been raised in something else, and it's now twice removed that they're raised in whatever, um, 
but a, a surprising number of people that I've encountered end up converting. But it's important to recognize this idea that once you get to the point of one Jewish grandparent, if you only believe that being Jewish is a cultural idea, which I have problems with, but if it's only a cultural idea, once you get to a quarter, you're kind of, that's kind of the end of that. Um, and there's a correlation between Jewish support for interfaith families and their Jewish identity. So the argument that was made for years was that rabbis shouldn't officiate interfaith marriages because what you're saying is that Judaism isn't important. Actually, you find out the opposite is true, that actually if you are willing to do those marriages, those non-existent hypothetical children uh, will actually be raised in Judaism. And my theory is it's because the couples made a choice. They could have had a pastor. They could have had a justice of the peace. I mean, you can't in Virginia because there's no concept of that. Which really works in the favor of officiants, by the way. I'd just like to say we have our racket going. <laughs> Stand out in front of the courthouse, hand out some flyers. Hey, 50 bucks right here, Low right now. Low is better. Low is better. Right. As long as you don't try to bring your cell phone into the courthouse. Right. Can't do it. You, you can't, can't do bring it. it in. No. Gotta leave it in the car. Uh, and no. you know what? It stinks when you take an Uber to the courthouse. Mm -hmm. I was there once, and I was like, "Do I leave my phone on the sidewalk just and just the, hope?" Just buried in the front yard. What did you do? Um, I don't remember what I did. I think I. I think I ended up just going home. Because I was like, <laughs> calling another Uber. I, yeah, I just I couldn't do anything. But no, actually, I do remember what I did, and this is so gutsy. I left my phone with the Uber driver. Um, yeah, I called the Uber and I said, "Here's my situation. I gotta leave my phone with you." And the guy was like, "My friend." He was he was he was Israeli, I think, which made it even better. It's like my friend, which usually in the Middle East, if someone says "my friend," they're probably trying to sell you a lemon. But um, right, but but or some zatar uh, or some zatar. Well said. Uh, but yeah, I left it. I left it with uh, Moshe or whatever his name was. How long were you there? At the courthouse? courthouse? Oh, two minutes. I was just there to drop oh. off a marriage cert license. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, no. I just left it with oh, him, that. and he, oh. he hung out on idle. No, it was cool. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, there we go. That's that. Okay, so, the nuns. Let's talk about the nuns. Judaism is a sticky religion, if you look at it from a marketing perspective. The religion that people tend to convert to and leave the fastest, do you want to guess? So these are people who didn't grow up in it, they converted to it, and then they ditched it the fastest. Jehovah's Witnesses? No. They're probably pretty sticky, actually. Yeah. Um, Have a sip of my beverage while you think. Yeah. I'm going to go with Shinto. Shinto. Well, stick with your because there's not a, there's not there's not enough mountains is what you're saying. <laughs> right. It makes the religion very difficult to practice in America. Right. Um, evangelicals. Oh, well, yeah, sure. yeah, uh, born agains. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Judaism is the lowest, meaning most people compared to all other religions in America who convert stay with it, which actually makes a lot of sense um, in some interesting ways. Well, I would ways. think it would be because well. Why do you think that is? Uh, so I think part of it is the fractional number who convert and are marrying a Jewish person. So you have a Jewish family that helps to uphold their religion. So I think that's part of it. But the idea that people convert to ma uh, to marry is very not really common anymore. Right. Um, interfaith marriage is so big now that even in the past, if you had somewhat disingenuous conversions where people were doing it just because... Um, it's still pretty low. You still have people, though. Now you don't have people who convert to marry. Uh, they convert to have children. So they make a decision that they were nuns. They were people who weren't interested in religion. And they're like, well, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do this, which is the whole point of this slide. Um, the appeal of Judaism is the family and home rituals, spirituality, community, the intellectual approach. Many people who are nuns want this. And would it, could it also be potentially, though, that there's uh, sort of a selection bias? In other words, because of the hurdles that it, it traditionally took to convert, that it has taken to convert, like mm -hmm. you're not going to, you're only going to do it if you really want it. That's Whereas cool. if you're, you know, some kind of evangelical, dip you in the, rip you in the river and you're saved, 
you know, it doesn't didn't take much effort on your part, right? So you didn't have to be that committed in the outset. A more a more committed personality is right. going to commit to something. That, that's basically. what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it really does. Particularly because you don't have this intense uh, block of people who are converting, quote-unquote, for marriage. Right. Like, you don't have an incentive anymore right. to convert for what might be thought of as the lowest-rung reason. Um, even though I don't think it's the lowest-rung reason. I, I'm fine with that. If someone came to me and said, I'm converting for marriage, I'd say, great, when's the wedding? Right. Um, but, but you're not doing – and also you're not converting to Judaism for any kind of social cachet. Right. Where, which you might do you know, if you find yourself in a community with – I'm imagining – especially say you find yourself in a rural community with a lot sure. of evangelicals. Sure. Like, sure. Come on, Dan. Come on down and get saved. Come, right. You know, I can see why you know, they're throwing the best barbecues. You know, right or something. Yeah, no. I mean, so I can see why there might be some pressure there. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. You know, it's much more. You're 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 a fish woman upstream if you're saying I'm gonna I'm gonna convert to Judaism. Well, and and that's the funny thing is that people will make really like anti-Semitic type jokes where they'll say like, oh, well, you're converting because you want money and job opportunities and whatever, which is not. Did people say that to you? No one said it to me, but I mean, I've, I've heard people, I've heard people who have come to me about conversion say that people have said that to them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that they see it as a joke. Well, being the people who make those right, comments, right, but right. like, but still, I do, I do like to make jokes about uh, after when I assist people with conversion and and they've come out of the mikvah, the ritual bath. I do like to make jokes about your key to the gold vault in the center of. Uh, you know the core of a, of the earth will be coming in the mail in sixty days. Right. <laughs> you know the the password to the uh, um, international global banking conspiracy. Yep, yep. Yeah, the pin number the is one 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 one. But uh, well, you know yeah. when people make comments like that, though, it's 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 about them. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It's about yeah. them. But you see that all you see that all the time. I think you see that all the time with them. Um, People who are doing when when they find out that the person they're talking to is doing something challenging, they'll yeah. often make yeah. Um, but anyway, no. But I mean, we're, that, we're, what you're saying makes sense, though. I have a friend who converted to Christianity, and she lost friends um, because it was like, oh, you're going to become some narrow-minded, yeah. homophobic, like right. whatever. And yeah, so when when people see you doing something that pushes against them and what they think. You know, people people design their relationships with other people based around their perception of them. Yeah. Like this is the like I have this relationship with you because of who I've decided you are. Yeah. You know, and so if you change who you are, then I don't know whether this can continue on or whatever. So I have to push that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I a few years ago I kind of had the uh, I did a few sprint triathlons, uh -huh. and I remember. Someone, a friend of mine from work, saying, "Oh, what are you, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing this triathlon, and it's, it's coming up. Oh, and then they would say, I could never do that. <laughs> well, first of all, you could, yeah. you could, yeah. But second of all, it's not about you, right? I didn't right. ask you if you, yeah. you asked me that's, what I'm that's doing. Interesting. You asked right. me what I'm doing this weekend, right? Right. And I said, Well, I've got my triathlon." Yeah, I didn't ask you. What, if I you didn't want you know, but it I didn't shows. say let's just hang out and do a triathlon. Right. I didn't say you could or couldn't. I didn't say anything about you. You yeah. actually asked me a question, and I think wow. it's a, it's just brought it, things like that. You know, bring home to me sometimes too. Just how how often people are are really just thinking about themselves. Yeah, and, and, that's and, fair. and so they're ha they're making a comment about you, but really they're it's reflecting a. Something they're feeling about themselves. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And the way they see you. Um, yeah. But, uh, but why would that make them feel bad? Well, only if. Mm -hmm. you know? So. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. No, you got a really great point. But yeah, so I think that this group that we call the the nuns, you know, who aren't atheists, who aren't people who are anti-religion. They're people that just don't identify with anything. All they're saying is, I'm interested. Yeah. That's that we might as well call the nuns the curious or the seekers or the interested or the yet to be engaged. 
Now, maybe that means that group will always be like that. Maybe it'll always be, you know, my bookshelf has the latest uh, book by the Dalai Lama and something by Richard Dawkins and then, like, you know, whatever, some, you know, yogi book and and the Bible. Like, maybe that's who they'll be. And that's fine. Uh, I don't, I'm not a person who judges people for stuff like that. My cat is uh, ringing her bell. She's letting us know something. We have a caller. Line two, sorry. Line two. Sorry, we're, we're getting into a groove. Mag- Maggie the cat, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to ask your, your question. We never did a conversion for the cats. Maggie probably from Long Beach. Right. <laughs> Dipping them into the mikvah just doesn't seem fair. I don't think they would have liked that. But, but uh, yeah, okay, so, that, so that's the nuns. Okay, so... What's stopping us? Like, what's stopping us from just saying, you know what, fine, we're going to start knocking on doors and just go, go nuts about it. And now, is that Maggie too? Yeah, that's Maggie. Maggie's sitting in Dan's lap. Yeah, she doing okay? Do you need me to push she's, her off? She's yet? doing fine. She's all right? Okay, cool. Um, so what's stopping us from, from doing this? The first is this... Classic radio, by the way, describing what the cat is doing. Yes. It doesn't get any more It doesn't get any more podcast than that. Like, let me tell you what my cat is doing. Oh my god! Yeah, seriously. Uh, if only we were also wearing Star Wars T-shirts and were unshaven in, would, in somebody's mom's it's, basement. It's mom's basement. Fair enough. Um, uh, so it's the how do we get mentality, and by that I mean so much of religious i i i don't know this is my like hypothesis is that so much of organized religious life and i'm talking about like people in pews type of religious life like where you live by the numbers is based around the question of how do we get so it, there's an assumption of things you're supposed to do like you're supposed to have the passover seder you're supposed to have the iftar dinner the christmas pageant the whatever right and your goal at least that you're being told your goal is, is to get people to show up to that stuff or do how many people are we baptizing? How many people are we whatever? Um, with Jews, because we aren't focused on conversions and, and other things, the how do we get mentality is how do we get people who don't care about being Jewish to care? And it presumes that there are Jewish people out there who need to be served, right? So there's this this massive group of unaffiliated Jews, and if we, if listen, if we just had the right softball team, if we just had the right food festival, if we just, you know, maybe we need to rethink how we pray. Maybe we need to rethink where we do things. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's this. But it's all based around this idea of how do we get? How do we get people to show up? How do we get people to use the building? How do we get people whatever? When you think about everything as how do we get, it's a zero-sum game. Because there's 1,000 people or 10,000 people or 100,000 people you're trying to serve. And if you're not serving them, then you are not getting them. You are losing. It is a zero or a one, right? There's no, there's no nothing to that. So your audience, your, your demographic, is only ever one group. And if you fail to get to that group, you have failed in the business of your congregation. Okay. Um, that is something that prevents us from doing conversion and on the level that we probably could because we're so locked into the mentality that there will only, unless lots of Jews move in or a lot of Jews move out, we're dealing with the same voting block. And how do we get the same voting block to choose us? Um, and I think that's a problem because there's no dynamic nature to it. Nothing. So shifts. when you're talking about how do we get, you're talking about how do we get Jews? Currently, current Jews. Right. Okay. That's to, what you're to do whatever to to come to this service. Yeah. Whatever to, it is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, so like you know, in, in my community, so it would be a question like you know, how do we get people to come to high holidays? Right. Right. Now. Different congregations answer that question different ways. But if all you focus on is how do we get, and it can be benevolent how do we get. It can be like how do we get people to give food to the homeless at whatever. But it's still – you're still only ever thinking about a limited target audience of people. Um, And that's something that's 
I mean, that's the dynamic right there. So it's inherently going to be disappointing. Yeah, yeah. You're immediately setting yourself up for something that's really hard. Yeah. Um, the second is that if we were to do something about that, it would require such a huge cultural shift that I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't know what it's like for churches and mosques and, and other types of, of groups, but I think that the cultural shift to say... You know, we are a synagogue or a, or a Jewish friends group, a chavarah, whatever, uh, and we're going to open ourselves up in, in to more than just the Jews and the non-Jews that the Jews bring. I think that would be such a mental shift that, like, that's that's like 50 years down the road. Like, we there's no way we're going to get to that anytime soon, um, and that stops us. Um, the other two things are rabbis often lack time, and that's just there's limited time. Um, and the second is that communities often lack interest. It doesn't sound interesting. You want to convert a bunch of people? That sounds weird, right? So that's that. Yeah. So here's what I'm proposing, long-winded. The first thing, change our mindset. If a Jew marries a nun, they are actually marrying a potential Jew. Right, so you shouldn't think of "quote unquote" intermarriage as a Jew and a non-Jew. You can't make the whole world this black and white Jews and everybody else, because we live in a society that spiritually shops. So even if you do a marriage between a Jew and a non-Jew, uh, the non-Jewish person hasn't necessarily committed themselves to whatever you think is the un-Jewish thing. Right, people are blended. People have sort of dynamic spiritual lives, and and people make changes to their lives over time. So you have to change the mindset. Uh, this was something that uh, Rabbi Gelberman, the founder of my rabbinical school, said, which is that Judaism needs to be in the spiritual marketplace. When I go, which I've only gone twice, but when I go to the hippie New Age bookstore in Richmond. They have tarot. They have angel cards. Which, they which, have, which door is this? Uh, I don't remember the name of it. Is it the one in Carytown? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it's the one in Carytown. Um, when I go there, it's like, you know, here's like some voodoo stuff. Here's some Buddhist stuff. Here's some yogi stuff. Here's like, you know, uh, not a lot of Shinto. Disappointing for the Shintos. Mm -hmm. Again, it's the lack of mountains. Mm -hmm. Sincere lack of mountains. <laughs> um, but you know what you don't see? You don't see the Torah there. Right? You don't see any Jewish literature. You don't see Kabbalah. Kabbalah is mysticism. Like, you would think in a place like that you would have some Kabbalah books. Judaism should be in the marketplace alongside all other religions and be considered an equally valid spiritual option. Um, and then the last thing, which I think is probably going to be the most controversial to some people, we should make conversion outreach just as important as interfaith outreach. We should spend the time and the money. Um, and no one wants to do that, so I'll skip to the last slide. Um, what I'm not proposing, door knocking. Not proposing that, not proposing that. Although, think of how hilarious it would be if Jews, if Jews proselytized door to door. Because like you'd have people like knock on the door, and it would be like, Hi, so, do you like working for the weekend? <laughs> Wait, but don't the Chabad guys kind of do that? Or they're, they're waiting well, for your only if you're already Jewish. That, they're all, yeah, see, that's that, that's that whole like limited market yeah. thing. In fact, uh, in the old days, when Chabad rabbis would move into town, they'd get the phone book, and they'd go through the phone book, and they'd find every quote-unquote Jewish last name, right? Which, like, you know, how do you determine what a Jewish last name is, especially now? Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. But, but yeah, like someone knocks on your door and is like, Shalom, friend! Let me tell you about Moses. Do you like the weekend? Do you like not working on the weekend? We certainly do. So I think that'd be pretty cool. But it's not what I'm suggesting. Not suggesting Judaism fundamentally change in any way. Uh, no insincere or wrongly motivated conversions. Uh, we shouldn't push non-Jewish partners to convert to their partner's religion. Again, I don't think people should convert insincerely. Though I do think if we said to people like, hey, you could convert, that's an option if you're interested, don't have to. That's a lot better than saying, hi, Judaism is long and hard and complicated. We don't really need you, which is about kind of what we do now. Um, and I'm not suggesting we eliminate interfaith family outreach or make it uh, less important. Final point. All converts want to do is participate in Jewish ritual, join synagogues, donate time and money to Jewish causes, raise Jewish families, and support Israel. What's our problem with that? 
that's where I dropped the mic. Like, literally, like, and, like in front of all the old folks, all right, five right, of right, them right, right. at the JCC. Right. I was going to, like, drop the mic. I was going to be like, Rabbi Patrick, out. Rabbi uh, Patrick, out. He's going to go... Um, <laughs> Run on the treadmill. Escape the side door. <laughs> yeah. And then... And then... Yeah, do some... Do some... Uh, Kettlebells. Do some... Do some deadlifts. Um... <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Well, I, I have a I have a few questions. I mean, I think, okay. I think we, we did have a bit of dialogue during it, yeah. so I'll try to keep okay. it short. But one of them would be, going back to your point about how this ask three times and be turned down three times. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned that the myth has been has been overdone. Right. Overemphasized. Yeah. But what is the actual, is it, what's it based on within Judaism? Is there something in there that's, that is um, supposed to, What's the theological or, or spiritual basis, or ah, what's the the technical reason behind mm-hmm. not seeking converts or 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 um, discouraging those who come? So it's a pragmatic one, okay? Because what would happen is that Roman spies would claim that they wanted to convert to Judaism, and so they would be turned away with the hope that only the sincerest people would come in. And uh, not be spies. Okay, so it's nothing in the teachings of Moses, no, or nothing. No, in the... okay, nothing like that. There's some banter that exists in the Talmud about whether or not con- converts are good, and it's like anything else in the Talmud. You can cherry pick what you want, um, and you can. So one thing I, I actually don't remember where it even says this, but it says like converts are bad for the children of Israel, and but then there's like another one that's like you should seek you, you should seek and love you know people who wish to become you know pick you know pick what side of the bed you got off that day, and that's what you're going to choose as your pro or anti people converting shtick. Yeah. I'm also wondering too if if certain well, first of all, I think I think not I think some nuns. I think it's a it's a big tent as you said. And I yeah. I don't think yeah. I think it, w- it might be challenging to find the ones within that that are interested in Judaism. You know, because I think you're you're shaking your head. You don't I'm think like that no, would be difficult. You're so wrong. No, well, but I want to. No, no, no. I want to hear. Continue out with the thought process. Well, well, first of all, I mean, I mean, I this is the part be... where I sock you in the face and jump out the window. Right, right. If, if you <laughs> totally prove me wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, I think. No, no. You, you've been given more thought to this one than I have, but I, I, I feel like first I did of make all, a PowerPoint. You did. You did. Your first one in Richmond. <laughs> uh, I think. <laughs> Okay, so the nuns. What about your fifth one in Georgia? That's the one I want to see. Um, I probably have it somewhere. I'm sure. Um, first of all, I think it's a hard group to just kind of, by definition, you know, they're not going to be hanging out, you know, in one place. No, not at all. And and, yeah. and 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 so and then, I just think the sorting process, you know, like how are you going to encounter them? Where? And then how are you going to sure. whittle it down? Sure. Yeah. And then, and then also. But, so do you want to try to answer that first? Well, no. Then... Like, honestly, my answer to that is we should at least try. Okay. Because um, we, you know, we don't. Like, um, a friend of mine actually said this to me once. I, I, well, the same friend that wrote his master's on conversion. He said, I can go to any church I want to and be baptized pretty instantly, with the exception of a few denominations that don't do it that way. Um, you know, so... that's and, and that's just a process of me as the spiritual seeker going online searching for some stuff and then doing it. Um, when I've looked at synagogues who talk about conversion, usually on most synagogues, you can go on their website and it'll say, you know, we do weddings, we do funerals, we do bar mitzvah, whatever. And there, often there'll be a conversion thing. The conversion thing will always say things like, converting to Judaism is a long process and we don't proselytize. Well, they mean that in a good way, but that comes off as just like, I don't want you. Right. And I think that we don't really have to work that hard to find people within the nuns who are interested. We just have to at least be bold enough to say it would be nice if people showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think so it would I, be that hard. And I wonder, too, if some of the nuns, like, I, you know, I, I um, Christopher Hitchens, yes. who, who famously is is anti-theist mm-hmm. right right 
said that you know of, of of the religions, and he found religion pretty contemptible generally. Mm-hmm. He had the most respect for the Jews mm-hmm. because at least they didn't try to. At least they didn't try to. Convert. Well, he also found out that he was one, which right, also right. helps. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's helped when it, it's nice when you're like Sam Harris or Chris Hitchens when you find out. That's true. Like, they they're pretty nice to Jews when kind of. And that, that, that may have been. Ops. You're right. That may have been a piece of this. But I think that's I interesting know. too. If there if there's some. Like I think, do you think that there are some Jews who take who take pride in it? They're like, oh yeah, hey, at least oh, yeah. we're not, and, and and in part because it gets them respect of like the smart atheists, right, right, you right. know, maybe. I, yeah. Again, I don't know how much of a hurdle that really is, but it, I, it'd be an interesting. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I think well, so I think that the smart, the sort of uh, new atheism, the smart atheist crowd likes the Jewish community because frankly there's a huge number of Jews who identify with that right. with that group. So I think that's part of it. Um, I mean there is secular humanistic Judaism on top of that. Right. But I think and, and reconstructionists as well are sort of fall a little bit into that category. But um, I think I think with that crowd and and then with the sort of Jews being very proud that there's no proselytizing um, I think that that is a reaction that is cultural, meaning the people who are proselytizing are people we don't want to be like. We don't proselytize. We aren't like them. And so it has a much bigger dynamic than simply religion, um, which is part – I think that's part of it. I, I, but again, it goes back to like my what I'm not proposing. So I'm not proposing that we start saying, you know, listen, it's matzah balls or hell, right? right? Like, you know – Right. Uh, so I think it, so I think that being so I think Judaism to me is a, a lot like Unitarian Universalism in the sense that you can it's a, a very wide group of people in the same way that the nuns are a wide group of people. The difference is that Judaism has a history, a language, a culture and a more defined series of text. But even then, I mean, the, the Torah is in all of it. I mean, there's. That's the thing about Jewish literature that's amazing is you can go through and yeah, you just cherry pick the one you want. I mean, you can listen, you can believe in reincarnation, you can believe in the annihilation of the soul, you can believe there's no afterlife, right? And that's just one theological point. And all of them are equally valid because at any time in Jewish history, that opinion has been a valid opinion. Um, So, yeah, so I think, yeah, as long as we're not knocking on doors. Although I'm still, I'm going to keep going back to it. I think the knocking on doors thing would be incredible. Yeah. Because it'd be so silly. Okay, well, so I guess that leads me to my, to, my, uh, to my final question is. Okay. Let's say, let's say this, I mean, th- this podcast is listened to by dozens of people. I mean, <laughs> let, let, let's say this catches fire. Yeah. Or, or yeah. let's say you were giving the keynote. It just blows the, keyn- the keynote address at the United States Rabbi Association annual meeting in I hope such a thing exists that'd be amazing right but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, right you yeah, get yeah, people yeah. in the room yeah, yeah. who can thousands make of this people happen. right and they say Rabbi Patrick you are a genius <laughs> right you are a dang first time that has genius. ever happened this to me this is ever. it I'm gonna go back to my congregation what are the three things we can do to carry out these ideas what would you say um so number one, which the reform movement already does, is um, they do these Taste of Judaism classes. Mm. So it's these three-part sort of, here's what Judaism kind of is, and the, the most, the, the fastest two-hour class possible type of way. So I think that's great, and I think advertising the hell out of them. Yeah, how do you recruit for that? How do you recruit, meaning how do you get people to come? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, in theory, you advertise. Theory being the soft word. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so taste of Judaism and the ideas that people show up to get just kind of the, you know, the quick and dirty okay. on Judaism. So I think that's a good thing because at least then you at least are creating an event that opens the door a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, alongside with that, I think doing open houses for synagogues. Okay. I don't, I don't belong to a congregation that has a building, so this doesn't really apply to us, but... Um, you know, I've only been heard of, and I'm sure there are synagogues that do this, but literally just having like a night where people can show up and just see 
and you you open the the ark and you show what a Torah looks like and you you know just very simple and there's you know brownies in the break room you know that kind of deal I think that kind of stuff is great along with the Judaism 101 so that's I guess point number one okay uh, point number two is eliminating from your websites and from other things language around conversion that keeps pushing this point of how horrible and tough it is and you know we don't have to proselytize because it accidentally comes off as we don't want you and you have to be in this day and age with language and the internet you have to be well, it's like you said about my uh, my thesis. Like, those were very carefully chosen words, right? Same idea. You have to be so careful. If someone came to me and said, I'm interested in converting to Judaism, and my immediate response is, you don't have to do that. Like, what what kind of game is that? Right. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Instead, the answer should be, wow, that's really fantastic. Would you like to uh, come sit in my office, or would you like to go have coffee, and we'll talk about it? Like, that should be the answer. Um, so that's number two. And then number three is making it a... This is this is probably the most uh, controversial point that I'll make. Making it a defined metric within your uh, board. So when you have things that you measure, you can improve upon them. So people who lift weights, they measure their weights. If you're trying to lose weight, you measure literally your weight. Uh, sports, right? Like you have. What metrics you know, does your does does do, do most congregations use right now? Um, you know, I don't know the where. Membership, probably. Yeah, right? I mean, it's going to be membership. It's going to be money based. So it's going to be number of people uh, who are members, number of uh, bar and bat mitzvah, number of kids in the religious school, number of people who came to holiday events, number of dollars that you got, um, number of events that you did that were educational or cultural. So those are the kinds of things that are going to be measured. So I think if we measure how many weddings you did, how many baby namings you did, and how many conversions you did. So conversions are not about how many people did we proselytize. It's about including conversion in with all of the other life cycles that you do. If you, if you have that, I think the very act of making it something that is measured then become something that is improved upon. So I'm not even suggesting you go out and hiring a, hire a marketing firm to figure out how to make Judaism hip and more interesting and whatever. Um, I think some of the parts of Judaism that aren't seemingly relevant and are weird and quirky actually today work better. I think people wanted a Judaism that was mainstream when everyone wanted a particular American ideal of life. I think now we're searching for the esoteric and the kooky and the artisanal, you know. And st there, I mean, there are people who are paid to know the exact way to make wheat wafers for an eight-day period of time. Like, that is amazing. That like there are people in the age of 3D printing who know the exact way to do calligraphy on animal skin that then gets rolled up and read on Saturdays. Like that's quirky, weird, cool Portlandia stuff that I think people would be into. But um, mm. but uh, yeah, so I would say if it if you can define something and you can make it a measurable data point. You don't even have to try at that point because eventually someone will sit down and go, well, wow, wait a minute. I've noticed we did one conversion last year, three this year, and then five. five next. Wow, this has legs. Let's do something with that. Is there a downside to making a metric on that? Um, yeah, I mean, so you do have the potential that people will abuse it and it'll become about, um, you know, how do we convert more people so that more people will show up? Um, and there's actually, there's a web series, I forget the name of it, where this like, it's this comedy series that came out a few years ago where a young rabbi, maybe 25, 26, works for this congregation and no one wants to show up. And so she decides to start like converting everybody so that she can get more and more people to show up. Um, but I think it would take, I mean, it would take a huge number of people converting to offset the size of a congregation. So if you have a congregation that has 100 people, and let's say 
you know, 60% of them are Jewish and then 40% are non-Jews, their spouses, likely. Like, I mean, it would then take, you would have to do like 30 conversions. You'd have to find those nuns and find 30 people who wanted to convert to even be on the radar of like, whoa, what are we doing here and what's going on? And I don't think, I think to your point about the numbers and it would never be that big, I think that actually kind of makes measuring better. Right, you can measure because it'll never be two hundred, three hundred. Right, you're not going to have, you're not going to cheapen the conversion process just to get your stats up. Right, because you'd never have that many people to be able to do it. But better, I mean, if you if you think your congregation would grow by ten percent because you weren't being a jerk on the internet, then maybe that's maybe that's not the worst possible outcome in life. (laughs) So, yep. So that's what I got. Okay. Um, Yeah, I, 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 I. I think that's been that was an interesting. I think you would have gotten a few a few matzo balls tossed at you at the uh, some canes. JCC. They would have thrown their canes at right. me, but other and than then that, asked me to give them back, right? Because <laughs> they can't get up, right? No, they're good people. There. No, they are. They're fantastic. Um, I love the JCC. But other than that, I think that. I think I think you would have. I think this would have this would have been thought provoking. I, I did post on Facebook that I was teaching this and then that I was it was canceled and then I did have one or two people who were like, Well, are you are you gonna teach this? Is it gonna happen again? So I guess technically it did. Yeah. So thank you for that. Oh yeah. happy thank, to help. You, thank you for being like, Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> let, let the education continue. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. This is the uh, Rabbi Patrick podcast, and this time I'll be Rabbi Patrick. And I'll be Dan. And so thanks a lot.